Peak Wealth Management proudly presents Finding True Wealth with certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot. Nick and Jim believe by making simple, good financial decisions, you can retire with confidence. And now let's turn it over to your hosts, Nick and Jim. Hello and welcome to the Trust the Plan podcast. I am Nick Hopwood and today I'll be joined by James Reed, my friend and local attorney and athlete in the local Ann Arbor area. He's an attorney that, uh, that specializes in labor law and I think that he's probably the largest labor law attorney in the state of Michigan. So very successful. Today we're going to be talking about legal tips. We're going to be talking about his cycling experience and a little bit about the peak t-shirts here. So got to stay tuned for that. Pay attention to how you can get your own new t-shirt. And also, uh, last but not least, but a big announcement from James as, it, as uh, it applies to his legal practice. So without further ado, let's welcome in James Reed. Well, James, welcome to the Trust the Plan podcast. I'm finally happy to be here. It's been a while. Yeah, well, you know, we just started making a new initiative to invite people into the studio versus just Jim and I talking financial stuff. Well, I'm happy to be here. So James, how would you just, well, let me just tee it up here. How would you describe your occupation, just your title and your, your, your emphasis of practice? So attorney and with a specialty in what I call advice of counsel. So like you, I consult and advise and solve all problems related to employment laws. Okay, employment laws, okay. And so we just get that out there. Let's, let's go back to how we first met back in the day, probably like 10 years ago, probably, well, maybe like seven or eight years ago. Okay. Guess. So our kids were in the same class at St. Paul and there was a birthday party. Do you remember this? No. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there was a, a birthday party at the trampoline place in Canton mm -hmm. and our, our kids were in the same class. So they were at the birthday party. And so that's where we first met. And it was just kind of like two dads, just like looking at our watches, like, when is this party ever going to end, you know? <laughs> I remember you knew a few of the other dads from other stuff. Yep. So that's where we first met. And so over the years with school activities and, and our wives became friends through yep. school as well. So that's just kind of like, a, you know, an ongoing thing, right? And right. It was always organic friendship and yeah. unrelated to business. Yeah. That's right. So then, oh, um, we talk about, uh, I remember at another school event, it was the, I remember this one, it was uh, the last day of school party. Okay. Right? You were thinking about making a change, and we talked for a long time about that, uh, you know, and that made the time go by really quick at that party, by the way. But tell me, let's go back to like, that's probably like five years ago, right? So tell me about your journey. Great. From the original law firm and where you are now. Sure. So in 2004, I was an intern with about 50 attorneys. So back up one step, Michigan State? Michigan State for undergrad, mm -hmm. Wayne State Law School. Okay. Celine for high school. Went to uh, Madden Hauser mm -hmm. and was the intern. And I earned my way up like five prongs because by 2008, they hired five other people. Uh -huh. And then they laid off all of them because of the downturn of the real estate market. Okay, so 2006, 2007, 2008. 
I was just elevating. So yeah, 04, I'm starting. 05, they hire someone beneath me. 06, beneath me. 07, beneath me. 08, beneath me. Then they lay them all off and I'm back at the bottom rung again, working for all the partners. Mm -hmm. And then I eventually worked my way up to chair of all of corporate employment and I'm the executive committee and uh, was working with every attorney at the firm. They're helping me instead of vice versa. And I needed to expand my practice to get more support. Okay. So what year, what year we're talking now, and, and this is Madden kind of on the way out? Yep, Madden, Madden on the way out in uh, the end of 2019. So January, so, New Year's Eve, I left Madden in January 1. I started at Dinsmore of 2020. Okay, so that's like three years ago, right? Three years ago, yeah. exactly. And so I remember you telling me, uh, I think we were out at the lake, like sitting around the campfire. Yeah. And after you made that transition, so it was summertime naturally, I think you said something like, you know, through this, I realized I am the largest DOL type attorney in the state. I was really surprised that when I joined a national firm that has 29 offices that I was the biggest uh, employment attorney in the whole department by far. <laughs> I, I was surprised. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes when you're a financial advisory office, like we're a, a registered investment advisor, sometimes you could see yourself on an island, uh -huh. right? Right. And then you have the larger firms like your broker dealer or your your custodian like Ameritrades and Schwab's of the world, and you don't know where you stand, right, as far as size. So I think it's interesting that, you know, you made the jump to the national law firm and then you had that epiphany. I, to this day, I'm still shocked how it works, yes. Cool, so I, I just have to say, uh, looking great today in your Peak Wealth Management t-shirt. Yeah. Thank you. Wearing the medium very well. I, I'm trying to switch <laughs> to fit. My wife wants me to wear more uh, fitting, appropriate clothes, so we'll see if I can pull it yeah, off. She's going to take you through Lululemon. I have a feeling. I have some of those <laughs> outfits at home. Nice. Yeah. I went with I went with the XL today because I I have two shirts underneath. Okay. Because power's out at my house and I was cold. A relaxing okay. Friday. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. So normally I'll go with with the large. Okay. okay. But look, if you want to get your Peak Wealth Management T-shirt like James Reed. You have to watch till the very end, okay? Awesome. Yeah, you have to actually. What you have to do is you have to subscribe to the YouTube channel, and then tell me that you subscribe because I don't know who the subscribe. And then you're. I don't in. know. I don't know who the subscribers are. Yeah. All right. So, um, now you have another big announcement here, right? I do. The last couple of weeks, right? I joined uh, Honigman, which has the most attorneys in Michigan out of any law firm. So Honigman. Uh, has a bunch of different offices. I remember there's one like on 96 over by Grand Rapids, like before the Muskegon exit or something exactly. like that. Exactly, we're- like a Big building on the side of the highway. We're in Grand Rapids, Lansing, Ann Arbor. Ann Arbor, Kalamazoo, Bloomfield Hills, Detroit. So, okay. uh, and we're in, we just bought an office in Israel and wow. we're in DC and Chicago. Okay, so you live here in Ann Arbor mm -hmm. and so, that's your home base kind of deal? That's my home base, but uh, th there are six employment attorneys in Detroit, so I go there at least once a week. Okay. And then today after this, I'm going to Bloomfield Hills office because I have a lunch meeting out that way. Okay. Well, congratulations on the on the move. Thank you very much. Hopefully, hopefully it started out 
strong? It's, it's great. And, you know, it was a tough decision. Like, do you have the national 30 office footprint or do you have to own your backyard? And I mm -hmm. kind of felt like in our business with relationships, you really need to be able to provide the full support with uh, everyone locally around you. Now, when you, uh, when you joined um, Dinsmore, yeah. I remember they put out a big email blast that said, James Reed, attorney slash athlete. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. Has now joined Dinsmore. I didn't see that headline this time. You know, What's happened? Are you no longer an athlete or what? They just did it internally. So there's, the internal messaging is different <laughs> than what they do with publicly there. Gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. Well, let's, let's shift gears for just one second then yeah. and talk about your, uh, your athletic skills. So you are the number one, what do you say, cycler in Washtenaw County? Like, what do you say? Yeah, I, you know, in the, in the <laughs> Masters 35 and over, I won the uh, state championship. In, state championship. And uh, time trial criterium and some other races. Yes. That's awesome. So let's talk about that just a little bit more. Did you grow up riding? Like, what, how did you get into it? Like, and then, and then once again, how did you figure out, hey, like, I'm pretty good. I had no idea I was an endurance athlete because I did just regular sports like basketball and tennis yeah. and never did cross country or anything. And then I was basically overworked lawyer at Madden Hauser and my boss at the time, Ron Salish, said, you're working too much. You're coming in at four, you're staying till midnight, like you need to cycle. And that's what he was into. Okay. And I was like, cycling? I don't even know what that, that is. Right. Is that a sport? And then I started riding and uh, you would see progress in every single week. You'd, your watts would be a little bit stronger. Your HR would be better. And uh, you get that ego because you start in category five. So you're against a bunch of people that aren't that great. Yeah. And then you're winning. And then you go to category four, get to feel that confidence, three. And then all of a sudden it's the real deal, people. So now you're showing up to races and you have sponsors and like uniforms and yeah. everything. Like a cool helmet, probably. It, yeah, you're in all you're in all the gear that people make fun of, and uh, but you feel cool in the kit, and you want it to be like skin tight for aerodynamics, uh -huh. and uh, it's also dangerous. So like you feel like you're like riding motorcycles or something. Would you say it's dangerous if you're riding on the street with with cars, or is a, a street race with bikes only dangerous as well? It, it, Street race with bikes only was the only thing I'm referring to okay. as dangerous. Uh, we never felt any danger with the cars, especially if you're with other people, because you would assume they're going to hit the people in the back. So you thought if you're relatively yeah. <laughs> toward the front, you should be good. As long as you're not the slowest. As long as you're not in last place. <laughs> That's right. But you also have your bike and you have like your app and you ride from Ann Arbor, east side of Ann Arbor, like out to Dexter and back. And then you... It times you that way too? Yeah, so that was uh, also an, a great experience. So Strava, you can find out, like anyone with an ego, who's the fastest on GPS ever in the history to do any segments on any road and see where you rank. So you have that little competition even during non-race days. And with uh, the calories you burn, a lot of our rides were burning 5,000 calories during the 100 mile ride so you have to eat lots of donuts and candy okay. bars and non-stop you can't even get enough calories wow so how many calories you know would you eat and not gain weight if you're cycling for four hours you would lose weight so uh i got down to like 170 pounds 
And, and you're like six what? Six I'm four. six four, and I was skinny. Skinny, yeah. and I was literally eating everything you could think of. I would every single about hour, forty five minutes to an hour, you have to eat a full candy bar or a Cliff bar or goo, otherwise you're gonna bonk because you'll be at a calorie deficit yeah. and you're gonna get dizzy and want to sleep in the ditch. So one way to lose weight is to uh, cycle for four hours every day. For, <laughs> for sure, it's very true. As long as you're not eating more calories than yeah. you're burning. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, I'm gonna pass on the four hours of cycling yep. and just eat a little better. I think that would be easier. So <laughs> by the way, fast forward, I quit cycling now. Officially quit. Officially quit. We can, we can say retired. Retired. <laughs> Haven't been on the bike once in over six months. And uh, just started for the first time weight training. Okay. Yeah. So that medium is not going to last. Uh, no, I might have to get a, come back and uh, already, you know, I'll, I'll be at, a, lo tight, at yeah. a large next time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. So one other thing that I find interesting about you and as you are, uh, you know, growing your law practice over the last few years and into the future is your networking skills. I think you are the networking king of Southeast Michigan, if not the state. Tell me, wh what do you, you know, how do you approach networking and, and how has that helped you? I think I was not as strategic as it sounds. I was kind of more just uh, go, go, go and try everything and see what sticks. And I thought by shaking hands and kissing babies that you would have good things that happen. And it turns out the luckiest part about that experience was meeting all of the other trusted advisors, all the other business owners, entrepreneurs, those relationships, uh, have all lasted 10 years. And those are where we help each other. And we're more of a consultant than salespeople. And once you provide that kind of thought leadership and that advice, we all help each other and our clients. And that's what's generated 10 times more business than going directly toward the target audience. Okay. So those centers of influence have really paid off. By far. It's okay. all about centers of influence. And I'm a little lucky where my practice area is you can you know date me without marrying me. Like you can do one phone call and see if you like the advice. And then if you do or don't, we can be done where on some uh, sales relationships, it's like a, a million dollar commitment. And so yeah. there's, it's almost no pressure to give it a free trial. Interesting, yeah. So I think about the comparing and contrasting with our, with our business, we're kind of getting married yes. right, with our clients. You know, I always say though, you get a get out of jail free card because there's no penalty if you decide that you want to leave. But uh, it is more of a marriage than just a call. It's more of a marriage, yeah. but we have similarities because I remember when you brought me in your office a couple of years ago and you showed me your whole financial sheet and how I need to organize my life plan and my budget and everything. And you're basically, you feel naked. You're like saying, here's my life, here I am. Yeah. And same thing with employment law, you have to have that relationship where they can share all the skeletons in the closet with you so you can really help them. If they're shy and embarrassed and don't want you to know their vulnerabilities, you can't really help them. Yeah, so employment law, what is the most common question that you get asked? Is it like sexual harassment? Is it like COVID rules? Like what is the deal that you consult on most? 
can I fire this person? <laughs> <laughs> I get I those. I shouldn't laugh. I get those every day, and they will have some scenario, and then say, "Is that good enough to fire them, or do I have to?" Well, do we're something in more? Michigan. We're at will on employment, right? So, that's true, and it's the biggest misnomer by far. You can fire anyone for any reason. And you can get sued uh, if you don't provide a really good reason for why you're firing them because they're going to claim you have unconscious bias. So they're going to say, even though you didn't say you're firing them because of their race or because they have kids or because they're married or not married or their religion, you may have unconsciously thought about it and therefore pay me a million dollars. That's what the plaintiff attorneys do. Oh, dear. And they're working on on contingency probably they almost always get a third yeah. of whatever they collect you know reflecting on my own experience there's only one time that i had that type of an arrangement it was through our charity that i was on the board with and it was a, a complete nightmare okay and we actually this is before i knew you we did consult with an attorney and i just thought that the whole process was horrible and I, and and I'm like, I don't want to be on a board ever again. You know, that's how I that felt. That's true. Out of it. So I think the unfortunate part about the law is that it's designed not really as much for justice as it is for efficiency. So a lot of these nuisance value claims, you're better off throwing money at it from a business perspective than you are trying to prove that you were right. And that's the unfortunate side. The energy drain, right? It's a massive that's, energy drain. Yeah. Although there are some clients that fight as a matter of principle and they don't mind throwing a lot of money at it just to prove they were right. Ah, okay. Because they just can't stand the idea of, you know, I understand what you Well, there's two reasons. One, they can't stand the idea <laughs> of, you know, giving in. They'd rather pay me 100000 than 5000 to that employee. <laughs> That's one. But two, sometimes they want to create a message to the other employees, don't try to bring a frivolous claim against me. Yeah. Okay, I want to go back to the pandemic for a minute, okay? okay? Because there's so much going on with masks and with the shot, the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And I've heard some stories where people were terminated because they didn't take the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, they can't do that. And I, I asked you about this, probably sitting at the campfire, and what did you say? Yes, you can. So, and I was like, no way. <laughs> so there's a lot of kind of misnomer where employees feel like if something's unfair that should be illegal and that's not true at all so like most discrimination most you know uh, retaliation is based for legal reasons so uh, somebody wearing a mask or getting a vaccine there's no protected class for mask wearers or uh, vaccine or even marijuana users those are not protected classes uh, unless they bring in my religion or some other type of protected class saying that that was correlated to it. So marijuana is now legal in the state. That's right. So, you know, obviously, like if you work at a factory, you can't show up drunk, right? Mm -hmm. Right. You could have a drink after work, right? Depends on what your employer wants to do. So employers can regulate your private life. Really? And say, I can drug test you anytime. And if you have marijuana, even though it's legal, yeah. if you have marijuana that you took, 20 days ago in your system, I can fire you because marijuana is not a protected class. Same thing with like tobacco. Uh, although in some states, it could be a protected class. I've read or heard on the radio stories where a small business owner said, 
you know, you can't work here if you smoke because it's going to screw up our health insurance plan, mm. right? That's <laughs> a lot of hospitals have that policy as well. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, um, how would people get a hold of you if they wanted to ask some of these questions and you know? Yeah, I always your brain? I always say the first call is always free, <laughs> and um, my phone number is always out there seven three four six four nine thirteen thirteen. And what's the website, Honigman.com or something? Honigman.com and search for James R-E-I-D. Cool. Um, let's see here. Oh, there's other one other thing I wanted to ask you about. So you're friends with uh, some other people that, that, uh, that I know. And one thing that you have in common is SHRM. What is this all about? So that is getting more attention than ever before. Uh, that's the Society of Human Resources Management. And I was the president of Michigan the past two years, and now I'm on my two years past president term. And it's a big training center for the human resource profession, and mental health uh, is the biggest kind of trend. And there's basically a lot of surveys and five predictions on the future of work, what's gonna change. Okay, so HR, right? Makes yes. sense with uh, you know DOL type questions, right? Right. So I don't think I could do an HR job. You know? No, it's uh, basically they say to be happy in life, you want to surround yourself with happy people and they often hear all the negative problems yeah. and all the drama and are surrounded by it. Like, like, I don't want to deal with that. They wear a lot of hats. They got to be the nun, the priest, the, the lawyer, the doctor, everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's interesting. So as a, as a year, two year post-president term, it's kind of like an advisory role helping the current president? Yeah, you're more like a mentor helping the current president accomplish her initiatives. But that seems like a good role for someone like you who gets a lot of business from HR people, right? It seems like a really natural fit. Right. Uh, the best way to, I think, uh, develop relationships is to add value and show that you can consult and help other people uh, advance their profession. Cool. Well, hey, James, congratulations on the new role at Honigman. Thank you. Wish you nothing but success in that new role. And we really appreciate you coming on the podcast here. I'm just wondering whose episode will get more views? All right. Yours or Frank and Hillary from last week? Challenge accepted. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see how many retweets we can get here. I might get an extra shirt if I win the competition. Oh, yeah. That's right. Subscribe and email me, nick at peakwm.com. Let me know. We'll send you a t-shirt. All right. Well, thanks for the interview. Thanks, man. You've been listening to certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot on the Finding True Wealth podcast, sponsored by Peak Wealth Management. You can learn more about Peak Wealth Management by visiting peakwm.com or follow on Twitter at nhopwood1.